Zdravím, tady Pavel. Než začne tato epizoda, tak bych jenom chtěl upozornit na jednu věc. Z nějakého důvodu jsem v této epizodě skoro celou dobu říkal místo Aborigines, Aboriginals. Nevím, proč jsem to tak vyslovoval, ale je to tak, takže až to uslyšíte, tak si pamatujte, že je to špatně a v další epizodě už jsem to napravil. Doufám, že si i navzdory tomu poslech užijete a epizoda může začít. Hello everybody and welcome to the 10th episode of the OP English podcast. You are now listening to the A2 version of this podcast. If you would like to listen to the B2 version, it is available on the same channel. Today, before we jump into the main topic, Australia and its history, I want to talk about some changes that I decided to make to this podcast. The first big change is about episode numbers. So far, I did it like this. There are two episodes coming out every week. One went to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, RSS and all these places and the other went to my Patreon. Because I didn't want to skip episode numbers on my Spotify, because it would look strange, I decided to post very short episodes where I just said what the podcast is about and that you can find it on my Patreon. After constantly thinking about the system during the last two weeks, I came to the conclusion that it isn't very good. So what did I do to fix this? I made all Patreon episodes that were recorded so far public. So you can listen to them if you want. Now, why did I do that? Uh, Because the Darwin series, which took four episodes to finish, was problematic. Half of the episodes were on Patreon, half of them were public, and I feel like that wasn't fair. From now on, the Patreon episodes will have their own numbers and therefore won't have any effect on the public ones. And more importantly, if I decide to make another series of episodes about one topic, they will all be public or they will all be on Patreon, but never half and half. So that's one change. The other thing that I wanted to talk about is that the podcast now has a new description on most platforms and the description is your entrance to the world of English language podcasts. The reason why I decided to do this was the goal of this podcast is to make uh, English listening more accessible to learners who don't feel ready for a real English podcast yet. And one more thing is that I will start uploading this podcast to YouTube soon because I feel like it could reach more people there. There will be no video yet simply because I would like to have a nice video set up first with a proper camera, background and other stuff before I decide to show you my face. Another point is that the podcast now has its own Instagram page which is simply opaquatics.cz. I'm still not sure if I will set up a Facebook page for it uh, as well because I don't use Facebook personally and I'm not sure how many of you use it. Maybe you can let me know if you would like to get updates about this podcast on Facebook. And the last point today, I decided that I will talk about myself a little bit more on the podcast. Um, It feels like I'm jumping into the topic a little too quickly at the beginning so if something interesting happens to me I will talk about it here and that is all all the changes I think so let's get into the main topic of this episode Australia to start with I will borrow a quote from the Australian government website so I quote 
Australia is one of the most multicultural countries in the world and home to world's oldest continuing culture. We have a highly skilled workforce and a proud history of democracy and stable government. Australia is a land like no other and is one of 17 countries that together account for almost 70% of the world's species. We are home to 10% of the world's biodiversity, from tropical rainforests in the north to the red deserts of the center and the snowfields of the southeast. After reading that, you would like to just jump on a plane and fly there right now, right? And you wouldn't be the first or the last person to do that because of the current Australian population, over 30% were born overseas and around 45% have at least one parent who was born overseas. But how did Australia get to this point? To see the first Australians, we need to travel back in time to about 65,000 years ago. Do you remember when we talked about the domestication and agriculture last week? And that agriculture started changing the human population about 12,000 years ago? Well, this is 50,000 years before that. That's crazy to imagine, isn't it? Uh, I did some research and let me tell you what the world looked like at that time. 65,000 years ago. The world map looked very different. I wish I could show you, but this is unfortunately an audio show, so I will at least give you a description. The biggest difference is that you could go to Australia mostly on foot, because it was almost connected to Southeast Asia. There was still a sea crossing, which means that the original Australians were very early sailors as well. During about a 5,000 year period, a big number of people migrated to Australia via this sea crossing. To give you a little bit more context, let me tell you that humans at that time already could make bone harpoons, jewelry and cave paintings. The human species still lived together with Neanderthals. Humans also wore clothes and cooked meat um, but it was still a very hard life, I would say. We need to remember that a lot of megafauna was still around. Giant sloths, mammoths, as well as saber-toothed tigers and many other giant scary animals. I mean, what a life. Okay, I will now do what I often have to do and skip over a lot of time uh, to move on with the story. We are skipping over times of huge climatic changes. But we are also missing the separation of Tasmania. Big progress in tool crafting, fabrics, the boomerang and many more things. Uh, which will eventually help people become the civilization we know today. So as I said, we are skipping about 64,000 years. We are moving on to about 1660. This was a time when the aboriginals which uh, is what the original peoples of Australia are now called, were in regular contact with fishing boats from Indonesia on the northern coast. The fishermen started social and trade relationships with the aboriginals and taught them technologies such as the canoe. Although the aboriginals weren't totally isolated anymore, as I've just mentioned, their lifestyle was very different to what we could see in Europe around this time. The aboriginals lived in hundreds of clans, tribes and nations, which resulted in the creation of around 250 different languages. There was no government, 
And there is still discussion in scientific circles about the aboriginals and agriculture. According to most evidence, they were probably just complex hunter-gatherers. We need to remember, we are now talking about the 1600s. So, as you can probably guess, there are some Europeans starting to appear. In 1606, the first European landing in Australia is documented, made by a Dutch trading ship. Spanish and Portuguese landings follow, and the navigator Pedro Fernandes de Queiroz, I'm sorry for that pronunciation, named the continent Australia del Espiritu Santo, which uh, could be translated as Southern Land of the Holy Spirit. The Dutch and Spanish then explore and map out the coast of this huge continent. Also, they explore the coast of Tasmania, named after a Dutch seafarer Abel Tasman. Thanks to the discoveries and voyages of Tasman and other sailors, almost a complete map of the coasts could be made. The English also want to be part of this. So, we soon see William Dampier, who is an English explorer and pirate, land on the coast of what is then called New Holland. He then published descriptions of the aboriginal people. William Dampier uh, is quite a fascinating person, so I hope you don't mind if I tell you a bit more about this man. He, although he was a pirate early in his life, identified many new plants and animals on his journeys and, more importantly, he brought many cooking techniques and recipes from his journeys, which he then described in his writings. He is one of the first people to use the words avocado and barbecue in the English language and he was the very first to describe the preparation of guacamole. I mean, come on, how cool is that? He was a pirate and the discoverer of guacamole. He is like a hard rock Charles Darwin, it's amazing. Well, anyway, back to Australia. In 1772, two French ships landed and sailors were the first Europeans to see the indigenous Tasmanians and, unfortunately, they were also the first ones to kill one of these tribal people. As you can imagine, Europeans saw this land as theirs and colonization plans were discussed around many tables. Although, when the Dutch East India Company got the offer to colonize by one of its sailors, they didn't agree to it, saying it would be too expensive. On the other hand, on English land, important people supported the idea of colonizing what was then called Terra Australis. The plans for a penal colony began to take shape. What is a penal colony, you might ask? A penal colony is a colony which begins with a plan to transport problematic or dangerous prisoners as far away from regular people as possible. The British planned to use the prisoners to get Australian natural resources. Another reason why the British wanted the colony more and more was that with the end of the American Revolutionary War, Britain lost most of its North American colonies. And in 1788, we see the first fleet of 11 ships arrive in Australia, forming the colony of New South Wales. On these 11 ships, more than 1000 people arrived. Among these people, we could find around 800 convicts or prisoners, if you'd like. The whole colony was led by one governor, Governor Philip. 
When I first read about the beginning of the colony, I thought the people there must be excited to escape the British weather and spending years in prison. Instead, they are now in sunny Australia, living a new free life as settlers. Just lovely. But as we will find out now, it wasn't all smiles in the colony. Many people arrived ill or fell ill soon after arrival. Healthy convicts worked too much and there wasn't enough food for them. Because the situation around food was very difficult. A year after the first fleet arrived and started the colony that we just talked about, we see another fleet make its way to New South Wales. The voyage of this second fleet can only be described as catastrophic. Around a quarter of the convicts died on their way to the colony and around 40% of the survivors died within half a year of arrival. Two years pass after the arrival of the second fleet and, you guessed it, the third fleet, which had 11 ships, arrives to help our hungry colonists. They brought more than 2000 more convicts, but luckily supplies were delivered as well. With supplies arriving and more convicts coming, the colonies finally stood up on their feet a little bit more and with time they expanded to different islands, establishing ports and towns. After around four years of hunger and very difficult living, we can see a free population forming with children born and free settlers from Britain arriving. What a nice feeling that must be, I can't imagine. Governor Philip, who we've mentioned before, leaves because his mission is finished. There was a lot of expansion after Philip's departure. The colony became independent when it came to food and a local military was starting to form. The officers who led the military there were extremely corrupt and what started as illegal rum trading on the side ended in what we call the Rum Rebellion. In the Rum Rebellion, the new governor, William Bly, who tried to end the illegal rum trade was imprisoned. Bly was held as a prisoner for years after. This event is quite important because it is the only successful government takeover in the history of Australia. In 1810, Governor Macquarie arrived and took back control over the colony. He later built the first bank and hospital. And so the city now known as Sydney continues to grow. In 1820, there was a population of about 2,600 colonists, growing all the way to 180,000 by 1850. Wool made up more than 50% of exported commodities because sheep seemed to love the Australian climate. Now, it is important to say that I'm not talking about the expansion that is happening while we speak about different events in Australian history. Many of the cities you hear about today were established in the early 1800s, such as Brisbane, Adelaide, Perth and many others. Again, I'm mentioning these only very quickly because I do not feel like it is very entertaining if I described every single detail to you. I hope you don't mind. One interesting fact that I came across um, states that out of 161,700 convicts that were brought over to populate the colonies, only about 25,000 were women, which was probably very difficult for men 
who wanted to start a new life along with a new family. It is not a surprise that women in the colonies at that time usually chose older partners, who were richer and owned property. That doesn't mean that they were lazy though, the opposite was true. Uh, there were businesswomen and some were extremely successful with their businesses, such as Elizabeth MacArthur. Thanks to this woman, we now have merino wool, for example. Also, because we are still talking about the early to mid 1800s, I would like to mention why the highest mountain in Australia has such a strange name. It is a little bit hard to believe, but a Polish scientist by the name of Strzelecki was the first person from Europe to climb the highest mountain on the continent. He did it with the help of two aboriginal guides and, because he was the first European person to reach the summit, he decided to give the mountain a European name, specifically after the Polish natural hero Kosciusko. Imagine if that was a Czech person. It could have been Mount Palacki or something. But I guess our nation had other things uh, to do at that time than some mountains on a continent run by mostly ex-criminals. And this is where I will conclude today's episode, everybody. Next time, we will continue talking about Australia and its more modern history, as well as the negative impacts that the settlers had on the indigenous population. I hope you enjoyed the episode. From my point of view, it is simply incredible that Australia started this way and now it is this truly amazing country. So, as always, thank you very much for listening today. Make sure you do not miss the vocabulary recap, which is coming in just a moment. Thanks, cheers and bye-bye. Nyní se pojďme podívat na slovní zásobu z této epizody. První tady máme výraz so far. So far znamená zatím. Ukázat si to můžeme například na větě This was the best movie of the festival so far. Toto byl zatím nejlepší film festivalu. Také se říká takovéto docela známé so far so good, jako zatím dobrý. So far so good. Potom tam máme přídavné jméno accessible. Accessible znamená přístupný nebo dostupný. Ve větě například takto, his village is easily accessible by bus or train. To znamená, že jeho vesnice je jednoduše přístupná buď autobusem nebo vlakem. Dále jsme tam měli sloveso reach. Sloveso reach znamená dosáhnout. Ve větě například takto, at midnight we finally reached our destination. To znamená, o půlnoci jsme konečně dosáhli našeho cíle. Dále je tam přídavné jméno proper. Proper znamená pořádný nebo správný. Ve větě třeba takto. My dad thinks that podcasting isn't a proper job. Přeloženo, můj táta si myslí, že podcasting není pořádná práce. Dále tady máme přídavné jméno current. Current znamená aktuální nebo současný. Ve větě takto. The current situation isn't easy, but it could be worse. Přeložili bychom to takto. Současná situace není lehká, ale mohlo by být hůř. Ale tady máme přídavné jméno huge. Huge znamená obrovský nebo ohromný. Ve větě například takto. I have never seen such a huge living room. Ještě nikdy jsem neviděl tak obrovský obývací pokoj. A naposled tady máme slovíčko among. Among znamená mezi. Um, ve větě například takto. I believe that the thief is among us. Věřím 
že ten zloděj je někde mezi námi. Tak a to bude pro dnešek všechno, já moc děkuji, že jste poslouchali, doufám, že se setkáme na mém Patreonu, kde jsou dostání různá cvičení na slovní zásobu, transkripty těchto epizod a další věci. A to je všechno, takže díky, uvidíme se u další epizody. Mějte se!